This morning we're starting a theme called Opposites Attract. Turn to your neighbor and say, Opposites Attract. Opposites Attract. You know, they're saying, you used to say Opposites Attract, you used to say that those who are people who are very different from each other are often attracted to each other. Newton's third law says a force is simply a mutual interaction between two objects that result in an equal and opposite push or pull upon objects. Gravity, how many of us know what gravity is? The force that attracts a body towards the center of the earth. This morning, actually, before we get started, Joel, I'm going to have you need a little help up here. If you can come back up here, sorry, now that you're all cozy. And I'm going to have you uh, come on up and stand. You're going to do some pouring for me this morning. If you want to put the funnel in our little... Yeah, if you look up funnel in the dictionary, it means to be a guide or a channel. A guide or a channel. If you want to pour the Dr. Pepper, you don't have to. Yeah, yeah. That's perfect. Thank you. Give him a hand. Good job, Joel. Yeah. Just watch the stairs going down. Funneled, a guide or channeled. And how many of us, and probably, I'm sure every, most of us have used a funnel before, right? Typically when you use a funnel, you use it for a car, right? Most are putting radiator fluid or oil, transmission fluid, however, however or whatever. But this morning what I want to talk about is the spiritual funnel that is around all of us. Turn to your neighbor and say the spiritual funnel. The spiritual funnel. Mark 13, 22 says, For false Christs and false prophets shall rise and shall shew signs. This is the King James Version, so it's got some fancy words. Shew signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. False Christs, false prophets shall rise, shall shew signs and wonders to seduce if possible, even the elect. But take ye heed, behold, because I have foretold all you these things. So the spiritual funnel that I want to talk about this morning is this attack on the elect this morning. There is an attack on the elect. People who, you know, 10 years ago, there was people who would never miss church. And, and I'm, not, I'm not sharing this this morning because we do have a number of people who are out sick. But 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, you couldn't keep people out of church. You couldn't keep people out of church. You couldn't keep them out on Sundays, Wednesday mornings. And so what, what COVID has done, COVID has changed our world because there's many people who are comfortable listening at home. You know, they listen to part of the message. You know, they'll listen to multiple messages. And then they go on the week and there, there's no interaction. There's no fellowship. 
And so one of the things that the devil has used COVID for is to separate the elect, separate believers who were strong believers, separating people who had such a strong faith, a strong belief in God. And there's this spiritual funnel. And the one thing that the spiritual funnel is trying to do, what's up, Jalen? How you doing? Nice to see you. The spiritual funnel is funneling people in this direction. 1 John 2.18 says, dear children, turn to your neighbor and say, dear children, are you his child? The last hour is here. You've heard that the Antichrist is coming. Already much, so many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people have left churches, but they never really belong with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong. Hi, Rendisa, how are you? Hi, Renaya. That they did not belong with us. This Antichrist is using a spiritual funnel today. And what is the spiritual funnel? What is the thing that he's trying to do? As Joel was pouring the Dr. Pepper, if, if, do you think if he took the Dr. Pepper that, now it depends. I mean, it, he could, you know, spill over here to the side. He could, you know, could hit himself, right? <clears throat> but as Joel was careful as he was pouring the Dr. Pepper, it only ended up in what? One place, right? The Dr. Pepper ended up in one place place. Why? Because Joel was guiding the Dr. Pepper. Joel was guiding the Dr. Pepper. The spirit of the Antichrist is guiding many people today. The spirit of the the Antichrist is guiding many people to what? To deceive the elect, to, to cause an opposite, like an attraction, to be guided. And he's trying to funnel them into an area where he wants them to go. We know in the last days, this is what it's going to look like. And this is exactly what the devil is trying to get us to be like. You should know this, Timothy, in the last days will be very difficult times, which we all experience. People will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful, proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and they're going to hate what is good. They're going to betray their friends, reckless, puffed up with pride, love pleasure rather than God. They'll act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They're the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about if the devil is in the air, if the devil is out there and he's trying to spiritually funnel you and push you into one direction, if he's trying to push us into being these kind of people here. In the last days, these are the people who are defined. These are the people that we're going to see. And the first person that he describes is this lover of themselves, very selfish. People who are selfish are described as people who are passively aggressive, They're going to do whatever because they feel special. People who are selfish because they feel special, they're going to do whatever it takes to get what they want. People who are selfish, they live sometimes in a fantasy world because it's all about them. So they have to create something in their brain that the whole entire world revolves around them. Selfish people hold grudges. Selfish people envy. Selfish people cheat without any guilt. They don't want to feel guilt. They want to tell themselves, it's okay. There's a reason why I cheat. There's a reason why I make mistakes. I don't have to say, I'm sorry. Selfish people feel self-absorbed. They feel entitled. They feel callous. They're explosive. 
They explode with their mouth and their words. They're authoritarian people who feel like they always need to be in authority and control. Aggressive and ungrateful people. In the last days, people who are lovers of themselves, people who are selfish. Now, if I just went through and described all those words, the sensitive to criticism, passive aggressive, envy, holding grudges, people who cheat and feel like it's okay, entitled, self-absorbed, callous, aggressive, ungrateful. How many of us know at least one person like that? Not that we want to admit, right? (laughs) But if there is such a strong spiritual funnel from the devil to live one way, if there's such a strong push on you, on me, if there's such a strong push, the spirit that is in the air, the spirit who's trying to control believers, the spirit who's trying to deceive even God's elect, It says seduce, even God's elect. The spirit of the air, what is he trying to do? He's trying to seduce you, seduce me, even the elect. He's trying to seduce us, pigeonhole us, funnel us into the area that he wants to be. How do we then fight the spirit that is in the air? How do we fight the spirit in the air? I want to use this story to illustrate If you have your Bible, this will be my main text this morning. But Luke chapter 17, verse 11, says, As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to this man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. So this morning as we break down this story, And again, it's to point out what can we do to fight the spirit that is in the air. The first thing that that we see that there was 10 men crying. How many of you have ever looked at a man crying and been like, oh, man, that is so sad. That is so sad. Have you ever watched a grown man cry? Now, sometimes ladies look at grown men who cry and they like laugh and like, give me a break. You know, sometimes when me and my kids and all of us watch a movie, you know, it's never... Never have a crying moment. It's just your eyes sweat, right? As a, as a grown man, we don't ever, you know, cry when there's a sad movie when, a, you know, the dog dies or, you know, something horrible happens. It's just that as, as a grown man, you have sweaty eyes. You just got to wipe those sweaty eyes. But to picture this morning, 10 grown men crying. Now, when you see a young lady a little girl cry, for most of us, it breaks, breaks our heart, right? How many of you have ever been in this store? I can't tell you going to Walmart, every single day there's a little baby who's crying, right? Every single day there's an infant there crying, and it's sad and it's horrible. But most people would expect to see a little girl or a little baby crying, especially when they don't get their way. But to picture in your head 10 full adult-sized men crying, bawling their eyes off together. They're like in a little think tank. They're like in a little circle. What were they crying about? They were crying because they had leprosy. And I want I want you to think about having leprosy for a second. 
And I want you to think of it this way, that, you know, at this time and in this period of having leprosy, you were not allowed to hang out in the village. You weren't allowed to hang out at home. You weren't allowed to hang out with your childhood friends. You weren't allowed to hang out with your siblings. You were pushed out of town. You were pushed out of home. You were an outcast. Nobody liked you. Nobody wanted to be around you. Nobody wanted to get what you have. It's kind of like having COVID, right? Let's push them out. Let's quarantine them for three weeks, right? You were pushed out. Nobody liked lepers. Nobody liked these people because they had this horrible disease that was all typically over their body, right? And so for these men, this is these, these men that were together, these 10 men, this all they had. All they had was each other. They didn't have their family anymore. And they grew up feeling the feeling of rejection. Every single day, I've, I want to go home, ah, but I can't. I want to go see mom and dad, ah, but I can't. I want to go see my brother and beat him up, but I can't. I can't go over here and get ice cream at my favorite shop. I can't. I can't even go see my favorite butcher and get a nice piece of, you know, ribeye. I can't. I can't do any of the things. Every single day, how many of these lepers, every single morning waking up and saying, I want to go do this. Ah, but I can't. I want to go see them. Ah, but I can't. Why? Because they don't want to see me. Because they don't want to see me. They don't want to be around me. They don't want to see me. They don't want to be around me. And so for these 10 men crying, this is all that they had. This is everything. This is it. They, all they had was each other. When they saw Jesus, they started crying out. And as soon as they started crying out to Jesus, have mercy, Jesus, on us, Jesus immediately says to them, go show yourself to the priests. Go show yourself to the priests. You would show yourself to the priests. You wanted to verify the healing. You wanted to hear the priest declared that, yes, you have been healed. You have been made whole, and now you can go back to life. Think about the words, and, and this was the priest's job. When, when someone would be healed, and you'd go see the priest, and the priest verifies that you have been healed, to hear the words for the first time, you can go back to normal life. Whatever normal is, right? Whatever normal is, because normal is different for every single one of us. We all live different normal lives, but they're normal to us. But the priest declaring, you have been made whole. You are healed. You can go back to life. It says as they were on their way, all 10 were healed. But in the story, there was only one of them. Soon as he sees that he was healed, soon as he understands, man, I am completely healed. He didn't get really going to the priest. Now, the priest was an important part of your healing because he would, again, verify, declare that you're healed. This man was a Samaritan, so he was a foreigner. He wasn't a Jewish man, so he didn't really get Jewish laws and rules and regulations. He didn't really understand that he needed to go see the priest. He didn't get all that. But there was one thing that he understood. I was a leper, but now I'm not anymore. I was a leper, but now I'm not anymore. I used to have a disease, but now I'm whole. And the only one thing that this man wanted to do is he wanted to go back to the start of the beginning when he had this moment with Jesus Christ. As soon as he realizes that he was healed, he comes to Jesus, says that he kneels down, he gets to Jesus' feet, and he just starts praising Jesus, and he just starts thanking Jesus. He starts praising him, and he's praising him out loud, and he's thanking him out loud. He has completely got a new start in life. It's kind of like how many of us have ever had a junker car and you've had 
problem after problem after problem after problem. And then all of a sudden you get a car that works. And doesn't that like, that is such a glorious day. That is such a glorious day. When you, when you get into a car and everything turns on and the AC works and the car works and you turn it on, it's like you hear the choir of heaven every single time you get in that car, right? Because you were used to what? An old junker. But the moment you get into a car that fully works, it's like a new beginning every single day you get into that car. It's like getting back to the start of a new beginning every single day. And this is where this man was. But as soon as he's praising him and as soon as he's thanking him, and again, this was a Samaritan man. So there was one Samaritan out of the, out of the 10. Jesus turns to him and says, like, I'm really glad to see you. But what happened to the other nine? What happened to the other nine men? Were they not healed as well? If you take a step back and we look at these nine men, there was 10 total, why would only one come back to say thank you? Why would only one come back to say thank you? They had, remember how horrible and disgusting and gross was it to be a, a leper. You were pushed out of society, but to have a brand new lease on life, to have like almost like a brand new body and a brand new mind, everything now working and clicking, all cylinders, all eight cylinders, all, all of them were working now together. Why would nine not even feel like, I need to come back and say thanks. Thanks, dude, that was awesome. Thank you. Here's a donut, Jesus, you're the best, right? Why would nine people? And I think for nine people, I think that they, these nine men were Jewish men. And so they, they knew that they did have to go see the priest. That they, they needed to be verified because this was their tradition and their law, right? So they had to. But as soon as they saw the priest, wouldn't Jesus be the second person that they would come back to to say thank you? But they didn't. They didn't come back. And so I wonder if these nine guys, <clears throat> I wonder if these nine men were described kind of like how a lot of people are today. Maybe a little selfish. Maybe a little entitled, I deserve to be healed. And maybe even a little ungrateful. A little ungrateful, like is described with people in the last days. Why are, why are there so many different things described people spiritually in the last days, how they're going to be like? Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, ungrateful. They're going to be people who backstab their friends over and over again. Even the elect will be deceived. How are all these things, how are all these emotions taking place? And one of the things I think that is causing it is because sometimes Christians, we're not, we're not loud and vocal enough, do, do not hold enough each other accountable. You know, you look at the very beginning, and we love Adam and Eve because they're beautiful such a beautiful couple, such a beautiful marriage. They had, you know, one of the greatest marriages in the whole wide world, the very first couple. But when they were having a conversation with the devil, neither one of them, neither one knocked the apple out of each other's hand. They didn't hold each other accountable at all. Adam, the stupid knucklehead, did not stop his wife from having a conversation with the serpent, right? Which why would any man let a, his wife have a conversation with a snake? That baffles most of us. But he didn't knock the apple out of her hand. He knew what was wrong. She didn't knock it out of his hand, right? 
And as Christians today, why are the elect being deceived? Because we as Christians, we're not holding each other accountable enough. We're not knocking the apple out of each other's hands. You know, for some people today, they're saying, you know what? The Bible is old. Yes, it was written. How many of us know there's, you know, stories that go back 6,000, 7,000 years. So some people are saying, you know what? The Bible is old. The stories in here, they're old. Jesus' teachings, it was good for 2,000 years ago, but it's not good for 2021. There are people today who are saying, you know what? The stories and the people and the places in here, it was good for then, but it's not good for now. You know, it's crazy. Jesus, one of the things that you see over and over again, when he's talking about um, listening and, and following him, he always says those who listen and those who follow, put into practice my words. Those who are putting into practice. So what is the devil trying to stop the elect? What is he trying to stop the, the believers from doing? Putting the word of God in the practice into your life. There was a basketball player years ago who, when he got to the very height of his career, they were talking to him about how he got to that point. And the thing that he said, and he said it like 30 million times in one, um, in one interview. He said, it's practice, it's practice, it's practice, it's practice, and then it's more practice, and it's more practice, and then it's more practice. Just like the late Kobe Bryant, many interviews and, and many other basketball stars that Kobe inspired. When you talk to Kobe, what was the thing that made Kobe Kobe? He was the first one in the gym every single morning. He was the last one in the gym every single night, even after lifting weights, shooting for hours and hours and hours, and then going through a game and then working out, and then shooting some more, and then he would finally go home. What made him great, he would say, it's the work and the practice that I put into what I want to do. That's playing basketball. Why as Christians, we don't put into practice enough the word of God. God is asking us to live out and practice this message, to live out, to be the living miracle that he wants us to be everywhere we go and everything that we do. And if there is such a strong spirit in the air today that's funneling people in one direction, if there's such a strong spirit of the Antichrist that is moving, is trying to control people, if there is such a strong spirit that is deceiving and seducing the elect, we have to fight harder today than we ever have before. Some believers, they don't have just one apple in their hand. They have two apples, and they're about to take a bite. And God puts you in their life so you can knock them both out of their hands. You know, one of the hardest things to do is to confront somebody when they're wrong. One of the hardest things in life to do is to confront somebody when they're wrong. And most of the time, people who are selfish, they hate to be confronted because they don't want to be told they're wrong. Right? Just like how many of us parents had kids, how many times did we correct our kids? Did they appreciate being corrected every single time? They hated being corrected. They hated that little pat on the butt, right? When when used to be, you know, like praised and, and good to give spankings, right? Back in the day, they didn't want to get spanked. They didn't want to be corrected. And neither do people today. But I'm telling you, there are believers who are abandoning their faith because they have listened to the spirit of the air. They've been seduced with the things that are going around in our culture and our world today. Those who believe that God is old and outdated. Those who believe that Jesus is 
principles are old and outdated. There are so much junk and so many lies that people have believed because they're seduced. But as believers, we don't just sit by almost like the other nine in this story and just let life pass by. We need to be the one who does something about it, like the one leper who came back to Jesus. You know, every day, one of the things that I think God asks us to realize is that life is a miracle. You know, there's, there's good days and there's bad days. How many of us know that we have really good, good days, and then there's days that are just not so good? How many of us know that there's moments that are just so awesome, right? There's moments where, you know, we get a raise. There's moments where, you know, you're just so in love with your spouse. And there's, there's moments where you're just having the best time of your life. And then all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose and it's not fun anymore. And a lot of times when life isn't good, a lot of times when things are not going the way that we, when we want and what we feel, we have to remind ourselves, hey, my life is still a miracle. I'm living, I'm breathing, I'm a miracle. Do you, do you wake up in the morning with that feeling and with that energy? My life is a miracle. My life is a miracle. I am a walking miracle. Everywhere I go and everything that I do, I am a miracle. When we understand that our life is a miracle, that God can give life and God can take away life, it gives our brain a proper perspective. In the story, we saw one man who came back and he thanked Jesus because he had a whole new lease on life. One guy. And I think it's because he understood life is a miracle. I'm now a walking miracle. I must thank the person who's given me this chance. And I think what happens a lot of times is we, we forget to say thank you, God, for the little miracles every day. I think there's so many little miracles that happen every single day. I think sometimes we take for granted our cars. Sometimes we take for granted our kids. Sometimes we take for granted our spouses. Sometimes we take for granted that we have a job. Sometimes we take for granted so many different little things. There are so many little miracles every single day that God puts right in front of us. So many little miracles that he wants us to stop and just praise him and just thank him for every little miracle every day little miracle that happens every single day. You know, for our kids, no matter how old they are, we get to have the opportunity to be in their life as long as we're alive. As oh, long as we're alive. You're a walking miracle. Your kids are walking miracles. And to be a part of their life, no matter where they are, no matter what they're doing. You know, in the old days, praising God used to look a little different than what it does today. You know, and there's still some churches around the world that, man, when they get down, they get down. They boogie, right? There, there are churches, you know, halfway around the world when it comes to praising God. It's not a sitting in the seat kind of an event. It's not even a stand in, in one spot kind of event. There are churches around the world that it would make most of us in this room uncomfortable because they get so crazy, their worship to them, their praise means that it doesn't take just my mouth. It takes my whole entire body praising God. It doesn't take one hand. It takes two hands, right? It takes all of this and everything in part of me. One of the greatest things that we have to do today is not let anything stop our praise. Every single day, 
it's not that hard, right, to turn on a worship song and just give God a couple worship songs wherever we are. It's not that hard to turn on our phones and just start praising God. And you know what the coolest with our phones? Like when nobody's around, you are the number one singer in the world. When no one is around and no one else is listening and you know it's just you, you by far are the number one singer in the world and on the planet. Because in that moment, it's just God in you. It's just God in you. Do not let anything stop the praise that he has in your heart. And sometimes it starts with, again, just realizing he's given me a little miracle every single day. He's given me a little miracle every single day. I, I'm alive. I'm breathing. I get to work even though I don't like my job. I get to work even though, I, you know, at my job I get yelled at, I get cussed at, I get threatened. I get all of it, right? It's so much fun. And then I get asked for money. It's, it's just the funnest thing in the whole entire world. But they do feed you most of the time. So after they cuss you out and threaten you, here's a hamburger. Wow, thank you. You're the best. Or here's a pizza, right? Joel knows he had a lot of those pizzas. A lot of those hamburgers too. There are little miracles every single day. And God wants us to start praising him for every little miracle that we have in our life. God wants to be thanked. I learned a, a really good lesson when I started in food service. My very first boss, <clears throat> and I'll never forget his name, Tom. He told me, when you get a new customer, you tell them thank you. Thank you for the business. You send them a thank you card. As soon as they get their first delivery, you send them a thank you card. And every single customer that you have, the last thing you say when you walk out for the door, thank you for your business, thank you for the order. And I never, ever, ever forgot what he told me. There was a couple things that were so key in, in helping me do what I do when I sell food. But being thankful was one of the most powerful. And I'll never forget, I had this very large customer. And as a customer at the time who was buying 45000 a week for me. And one of the big bosses went in to see this customer and they asked him, how's John doing? Is he being a good salesperson? That's what bosses like to do. They like to check on you, make sure you're taking care of your customers. And the customer said, you know what? I'd never want to buy from anybody else because John really thanks me and appreciates the business that I give him. And they told him, he says thank you every single time. Even after I yell at him, even after I cuss him out, he still says thank you, have a nice day, and be on my way. They said, I would never want to buy from anybody else at Cisco because I appreciate how thankful John is. I learned that a long time ago in, in my, my daily life and in selling food. Being thankful, customers appreciate uh, a lot. But as a Christian, how many of us are really thankful people? How many of us are thankful every single day? 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says this, always be joyful. Is that us? Are we joyful all the time? Never stop praying. Is that us? Do we never stop praying? Verse 18, be thankful in all circumstances. And this is a hard one. Because I'll admit, when, when life hits, it's hard to be thankful. When something bad happens, it's hard to be thankful. When we see our kids suffering, it's hard to be thankful. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 6 says this, don't worry about anything, but yet how many of us still worry about everything? Don't worry about anything. <clears throat> don't worry about anything, nothing at all. You 
do not worry, Paul says. But instead, pray about everything. And I think most of us in here, we do pray about everything, but yet we continue to worry. Even though we know what the Bible says, even though we know, Jesus also said, do not worry about these things. Seek God in my kingdom and all these things will be added unto you, right? Similar to what Paul's saying here in Philippians, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. I wonder how different it would be for Christians and believers if we prayed and then didn't worry. And we trusted God fully. Because if we pray about something and then all of a sudden worry starts to set in, what does that look like to God? They don't trust me. They're not trusting me. They're praying about this person. They're praying about their daughter. They're praying about their son. They're praying about their dog. They're praying about this. And they pray really hard and they pray really earnest. And then 10 minutes later, they're all worked up and worried about it all over again. If we really want to see God move and have miracles in our life and the lives of those around us, when we pray, we have to believe that what we prayed for came to pass. It's hard, right? But if we continue to worry, we're showing God, I don't fully trust you. I'm not fully trusting you. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he has done. Then you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. God is asking us to pray. But as we pray, he's asking us to trust him as well. And as we trust him that whatever it was that we prayed for, we believe, we thank him for it in advance, and we continue to thank him over and over. And God, thank you for answering this prayer. God, thank you for answering this healing, God, that I'm believing for. God, thank you for answering this provision, God, that I'm asking for. God, I thank you. I still don't see it, God, but I'm still in my mind believing it. As soon as worry starts to come back, you automatically go to start thanking God again. I'm not going to get worried. God, I thank you right now for answering this prayer. God, I thank you for answering this. God, I thank you. God, I believe in you. God, I believe in you. God, I'm believing in every single thing, God, that you are doing. God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And not letting your mind get back to worry. So this morning as we start to wrap up, how do we fight the feelings of the air? How do we fight the feelings, the spirit that is out there? How do we look at the story that in, in today's story? And the number one thing that we saw is there was a man who was thankful versus nine others that were not thankful. Even though they had a, a massive miracle, right? When we say that if you're healed of leprosy, that's a massive miracle. That's not a little miracle. That's not a little Dr. Pepper miracle, right? This is a massive miracle. To be healed of leprosy, this is massive. And nine people did not feel it was important enough to come back and say thank you. In the last days, Paul says there are going to be so many ungrateful people. What is God asking us as believers to do? Be over grateful. Be over grateful. Say thank you to every single person. Open the door for somebody at Walmart. Of course, they slide down by themselves. We'll say thank you to the robot. Thank you, door. That was so nice for you to open for me. Do something nice for someone and then thank them for it, even though they weren't the one who did it. Being 
grateful, being thankful. And then we, you know, what we have to do in this last days, we have to go overboard. We have to go over and beyond thankful. We have to take thankful to the next level because we have to fight the spirit that is in the air. Taking the word of God and allow it to ground us in every part of our life. Now, none of us, I don't know, you know, back in the day, if you remember being grounded, I remember one of the most horrific times in my life that I started sixth grade and I had like all F's because I thought F was fantastic, right? And I remember my dad comes to me and my dad took away my skateboard at the time for one week. And he said, you're not going to get your skateboard back until you get your grades up. And so I went to every friend that I had in sixth grade and I said, help, I can't ride my skateboard for a week until I get my grades up. And in one week, man, I tell you, all my grades went from Fs to CBs and As. Being grounded, losing the one thing that I loved at that moment in my life, the skateboard was one of the, my, my loves of my life, but I was grounded. And being grounded, what did it do? It turned around my academic mind and it turned around my academics in school because I did not want to be grounded anymore. God is trying to use the word of God to ground some of us, to ground some believers, to have some accountability, to have some, some grounding and understanding. Hey, these are not old principles. These are not old sayings. These are not just old things that sound good and feel good and look good. They still work today. God's word still works today. It is alive and it is still powerful. Just as it was 2,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago, this word is still alive and powerful today. I need to do what it says because it keeps me grounded. And we're going to close with this verse and we're going to close and pray. And God wants us to just keep on keeping on. Luke eleven nine 9 says this, I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Everyone who asks, guess what? Receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Stand with me. We're going to close and pray. As we close and pray this morning, I do believe that God wants a fresh wind and a fresh wave of his mercy and his grace and his spirit today. But not only of mercy and grace and his spirit, I think of power and miracles. And how are we going to see power and miracles? Jesus said, tell you, you have to keep on asking. Even if you sound dumb, keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. You know, it is one of the most horrible things in the world to be playing hide and go seek. And you can't find that one kid who really hid really, really well. And you're like, after a while, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop seeking because this isn't fun anymore, Right? How many of us had that one friend who was really good at hiding? And no matter what they did, no matter where, you could not find them. This is how God wants to be in our life. It's like a hide and seek game. You have to keep seeking God until you find God. You keep seeking him with your hands 
open and up. You keep seeking God with your mouth and your words and you keep seeking him when you're driving, you're praying, when you're driving, you're singing. You keep on seeking him no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, you keep on seeking God because when he says, when you keep on seeking, then you're gonna find me. And then he said, keep on knocking. And it hurts your knuckles when you keep on knocking, right? Doesn't it hurt after a while when you keep on knocking? After a while, if you're knocking on a door after five minutes, like, ah, forget it. I'm done, right? As soon as the knuckles start to hurt, what do we do? We just kind of walk away. And this is how a lot of people are with their prayers with God. God wants to answer your prayers. God wants a mighty move in your life. God has given you little miracles and he wants to provide big miracles. But he says, you must keep on seeking. You must keep on knocking. Even when your knuckles are hurt and maybe even when your knuckles get a little bloody, keep on knocking. Keep on pressing. Because he says, then I will open the door for you. We as Christians got to keep on keeping on everywhere we go and everything that we do to show people that Christianity, it is still about miracles. It is still about the little things God does every single day, the little miracles and the big miracles. And I guarantee if we keep on praising him and if we keep on doing the little things that he's asking us to do, God will make a way. God, we come to you today. We thank you for a beautiful Sunday morning. God, we want to take this time to remember all of our friends and family who are sick and ill right now. God, we pray that you would heal their bodies. God, we just rebuke sickness. God, we just rebuke illness. Whatever people have, all of our friends and family, God, there's arthritis, there's colds and coughs out there. God, whatever our friends and family have right now, we just rebuke it in Jesus' name. God, we speak life to our friends and family. We speak life into their, into their body. God, we speak life into their mind, into their heart and their soul. God, we pray that you would just right now that you would fill them with energy, fill them with hope and fill them with all that you have in your presence and your grace and your mercy, God, as we give them to you. God, for all every single one of our members, God, wherever their hearts are this morning, whether they're down and out, whether they're depressed, whether they're lonely, whether they're broke, they don't know how they're gonna make it this week. God, we give you every single situation that all of us here are facing with our friends and our family. God, for all those who watch online, God, every single thing that we're facing, whether it's something, God, that is bothering us or maybe it's something that is hurting us that one of our friends are going through, God, whatever it may be, God, we give it now to you. God, we are believing. God, we're asking. God, we're praying and we're believing for you to do a miracle and to move mountains. We give you all these things. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.